Take a nice deep breath in and release. The reading for this morning is called Breaking Through with Dad, and it's from a blog by Fred Burks. At age 27, after having spent two adventure-filled years living and teaching English in mainland China, I found myself getting ready to move back to the USA. With two years completely immersed in another world away from family and friends, I'd completely had opportunities to reflect on my life back home. In these periods of contemplation, I felt a deep sense of satisfaction in realizing that I'd come to really enjoy my relationships with all my friends and family at home, with only one major exception, Dad. As a child, I had very mixed feelings about my father. He took us on wonderful, exciting vacations, car camping around the country for a month out of every year. In his engaging moments with me and my sisters and two brothers, he could be adventurous, enthusiastic, and a lot of fun. Yet, like so many fathers out there, most of the time he was distant and unavailable. As a Methodist minister and a fighter for peace and justice, his work was by far his greatest passion, with family a distant second. What's more, at meals, our only regular gathering time each day, he would all too often preach politics to us, his unwilling captive audience. There was no debating with him either. He was always right. In looking back, however... I could see now what I once would never have admitted, that I was just as stubborn as my dad. There was no way I would acknowledge that he was right in a debate or argument. I would argue with him fiercely, yet still he managed to get me every single time. I remember countless times when our interactions ended with me stalking off frustrated and angry as dad settled back triumphantly into his chair reading the newspaper. Sometimes I just hated him. His righteous attitude seemed so hypocritical and just wrong. After moving away from home at age 18, I had dedicated myself to improving my relationships with my family and others in my life. Thanks to some wonderful divine guidance, I'd been very successful with everybody except Dad. He was the one person I still just couldn't get along with. As I contemplated leaving the wonderfully rich experience in China, I knew that the time had come to change this. I knew that on getting home, if I wanted to get along better with him, my job was to learn to let dad be dad. I realized that I could not change him, but I could change myself by letting go of my need to be right and my harsh judgments of him and his behavior. I knew that if I wanted to change our frustrating dynamic, I was the one who was going to have to change. The idea came to me that the best way to heal this old family wound was to move in with dad and make a commitment to opening my heart and to becoming friends with him for the first time in my life. I knew it wouldn't be easy, yet I also knew that if I could hold fast to my intention of not needing to be right and not letting his comments get to me, he could have a signif- we could have a significant breakthrough. I wrote dad a letter asking if he was interested in becoming friends and if he would be open to my living with him on returning from China to work on this. Dad was thrilled at the idea and warmly welcomed me into his home. He was very supportive of my desire to move through our difficulties. He even spruced up a little room in his new house for me. Yet after a brief, enjoyable honeymoon period of about two months, 
I found those same old patterns staring me right in the face again. Dad was always right, and I ended up leaving frustrated, knowing that I was actually right, just like old times. Why did it always have to end up that way? Yet I held to my commitment. I remembered that if I wanted to change this disempowering dynamic, I was the one who would have to change. So gradually, I learned to hold my tongue. When discussion turned to debate, I would do my very best not to engage, not to get caught up in trying to prove him wrong. If the conversation turned competitive, I learned to be quiet and to wait for the appropriate moment to excuse myself so that I could go let off some steam on my own. Even though I didn't agree with him, I slowly learned to simply listen and to be okay with letting Dad have the last word. I couldn't change his behaviors or beliefs, but I was gradually changing mine. Those few months were tough. It was not easy to break deeply ingrained family patterns, but I was committed. Every time things spun out of control, I reminded myself of my deep intention to become friends with Dad and even to love him. By holding strong to that commitment, I got increasingly better at pulling back whenever our talks didn't feel supportive. By the end of six months, I had done it. I could actually sit through a conversation when Dad was telling me how I was wrong and feel no need to engage or respond. When he challenged or blamed me, I could just let him have his way. I learned to just acknowledge that I heard him, remembering not to take anything personally and to just let Dad be Dad. As I got better at this, I eventually came to understand that Dad was not consciously trying to attack me. He was just playing out old patterns and programming within himself. I could accept and even love him just the way he was, even the part of him that would very rarely admit he was wrong. Dad seemed to notice the difference. I especially remember one particular day when Dad was doing the the same thing. I simply nodded my head occasionally and said, I hear you, Dad without feeling any need to defend myself. At one point, he felt silent, He fell silent, and I just sat, quietly waiting. Then I heard words I don't think I'd ever heard him say. Well, Fred, what do you think? And for the first time in a situation where we didn't agree, I felt Dad was really interested in what I had to say. From that point on, Though we would still hit occasional rough spots, Dad and I began having meaningful conversations. He became increasingly interested in my opinion, and his tone of voice lost that cutting edge. For the first time ever, we were actually friends. What an incredibly empowering change in my life, in our lives. I was amazed that although my deep intention was just to let Dad be who he was, once I made the big shift, Dad shifted too. What a gift. From that point on, our relationship gradually grew warmer and deeper. So I give thanks for the divine guidance that helped me to realize that if I want to transform any significant relationship in my life, I can stop trying to change others and open to accepting and loving everyone just as they are. By focusing on making shifts and changes in myself, I now know without a doubt that I alone can positively change any relationship in my life. Interesting, huh? How many of you relate to the dad who was always right? Anybody else had that? Boy, my dad was always right, no matter what it was. Even when he was wrong, he was right. (laughs) 
And that was more often than he knows. Dads are these interesting creatures, aren't they? You know, we have a relationship with them that begins before we're verbal. And it's not always, it's not always an easy relationship because a lot of times fathers are uncomfortable, mothers too, but in this case we're talking about dads. A lot of times fathers are uncomfortable with a newborn child. And especially if you're a firstborn and they haven't had to do that before. They don't know exactly what you do with something so fragile. So as an infant, how your dad held you made a difference in whether you felt safe in the world or not. How your father spoke to you when you first heard him. There's a lot of scientific study done on the impact of a father's voice on a pregnant woman, uh, on the baby, because of whether he talked to the baby or not, and what the baby heard. And it's not words, it's a muffled sound, isn't it? But it's the quality of, of the voice. And so they've, been, they've done a lot of scientific observation on how quickly a baby's head turns the first time they hear their father's voice in the room after they're born. Because they're, it's familiar to them, and it sounds different to them, but it, they know that it's, it's a voice. They know that voice. So what was going on with your mom and dad when you were pregnant, when they were pregnant with you? Were they in a good place? Was your dad talking to your mother's belly? Were they struggling? Was the conversation tough? There are a lot of things that we don't know. Pregnancy is not easy. How many of you have been pregnant women? How many of you were wonderful, sweet, kind, lovely pregnant women? (laughs) I'm lucky my husband stayed with me. No. So our first the first voice that we heard from our father might likely have been a, a loud, louder voice, a more aggressive voice. And we're very tender when we come in. Bright lights, loud voices, um, being handled roughly. Imagine if nothing had ever touched your skin before, ever. If the only thing you had ever felt was water, and nothing had ever touched your skin. Imagine just the difference between your mother's hands and your father's hands. And what that would mean to you as a child without words or thoughts who could only respond to a feeling. Our relationships with our father are very deep-seated. They, they come from a very visceral um, contact kind of way kind of place. They're very different. And a lot of times when I help people who are struggling through the passage of a father, I try and help them go back to all of that. When we look at our relationships with our fathers, they have a tough job. They have a really tough job. No matter whether you're a mother or or whether you're a daughter or a son, it's not easy to be a dad. It's not easy. I have four boys And I've raised them with two different men. And I grew up with brothers and three other brothers. So I've watched a lot of this. I've watched a lot of what it takes to raise, to be a man, to to be a father. And I'm glad I'm not one. I'm really glad. I think it's much more challenging than being a mother. I think things come naturally and instinctively to, to women that don't necessarily come that way because 
We have nine months of knowing we're changing. And those men who are our fathers, especially our age, they weren't nearly as involved as fathers are today in, the, in that nine months of pregnancy. When I was born, my father was on a train headed out of town. You know, and I'm, mine is not a unique story. You know, my mother was sedated when she had me. They did this a lot different 50 years ago than they do today. Men weren't in there catching their babies. It was different for our fathers. So all of a sudden, they receive a child, <laughs> the biggest responsibility they've ever been given in their lives. And they have to learn how. They have to learn how they're going to raise this child. And so some of them figure that the, the best way to raise them is go out and make a living. I'll make a living. You take care of the children. How many of you grew up in that house? Me too. Very difficult. A lot of us had that. A lot of us had that. So our relationships with our dad, I don't know what yours was like. Mine was, I thought my dad had the best life in the world. My dad got to leave every day. <laughs> Go out and do this great stuff. My mother fretted about us kids. We drove her crazy. She was on us all the time. And my mom was, a, you know, scrub the baseboards with the toothbrush kind of woman. There was always something to do in our house. My dad would come home and we would do something fun until we upset him. And my mother would say, don't wrestle with your father. Somebody's going to get hurt. And then someone would get hurt. And we would say, you cursed us, Mom. It's all your fault. You know, fathers are this, this force you can bump up against when you're small. And little girls and little boys all do it. We all wrestle and play and tickle and, and, and do all of that. And then if you're a woman when you grow up, it's, your relationship suddenly shifts with your father when you start to become a young woman and your body starts to change and you start being interested in boys and you can't talk to your dad about those things and you can't talk to your mom about those things. And some fathers at that point, because they're naturally men, pull away because they can't allow themselves to ever step into an inappropriate relationship with their daughter. And for a man, it's very difficult to see your daughter become a beautiful young woman and not have man responses to your daughter as a beautiful young woman. And at the same time, what a young woman needs more than anything is to know that her dad thinks she's beautiful. More than anything in the world, because he's the most important man in her life. What a struggle that is. What a difficult place to be. I've raised boys. Boys grow up, and about 11 or 12... Testosterone starts to trickle into their body, and they, need their, they start sprouting little horns. <laughs> and if you look at them, you can see them. They're growing. And they, like little goats, like little billy goats, need something to smack into. And they can't do it with their mom. So they start butting heads with their dad. It's not pretty. <laughs> it's very frustrating. Very frustrating to be a dad because suddenly your son wants to argue with you about everything. And all you are busy doing is being the same superhero you always were. What is the problem? The problem is testosterone. And at that point, a father's responsibility, the most important thing he can teach his son, is how to grow up and interact in a world full of other men. How to control 
that testosterone because it's never going away, not for a long, long time. And that strong, that testosterone is suddenly going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. And about the time they're 18 and have to go out into the world, between 18 and 25, it's raging in their body. And it's up to the fathers to teach their sons how not to go out and beat their way through life. How to shut their mouth when they need to. How to handle a job. How to interact with their friends, with their girlfriend's fathers. Right? This is not an easy job. And no matter how our fathers go about it, no matter how they do it, they're going to get told it's wrong. That's how it's going to be. Because there's that period. This is true for moms too. There's that period in life where your kids just believe it's wrong. Whatever you're doing, you know nothing. They come back to their senses in their mid-20s. But there's a very tough period. And we were them. This is the thing about the stories that we wrote about our fathers. We were the children. And our, ch our fathers were responding through the patterns they learned from their fathers or from the lack of a pattern to follow. Our fathers were responding to whatever happened between the moment that they were gifted as a child to their father and the time that you were born. Whoever they were, they were the result of what happened between their birth and your birth. Might have been good, might have not been good. But that's who they were because I've held many children. I've been in a dozen births and I can tell you absolutely every single one is an angel and your dad was too when he came here. So whoever he became happened because of his life circumstances. Could he have tried harder? Could he have changed something? Could he have made a different choice? Absolutely. But he didn't. He was who he was. He is who he is. And at some point, we have to let dad be dad. This word, imagination, is an important one. We are working this month with the power of imagination. That's our, our gift, our topic. And we have been imagining about our fathers our whole life. Because everything our father ever did meant something about us. Because that's what children do. If our father was angry, we weren't doing things right. I knew that my dad loved me. I knew without a doubt that my father loved me. I believed that he was so angry that if I made him wrong, he would kill me. And then he would suffer the rest of his life. And I spent a massive amount of my childhood trying not to let my father do something that he would end up being so sad about because I couldn't imagine my father being that sad. I couldn't live with that possibility. So a big motivation for me was he just couldn't control his anger. I had to control his anger for him. We all have these interesting relationships. I ask you this morning to consider what your own story is with your dad. 
What did you decide that your father relationship meant about you? You weren't the man he wanted you to be. You weren't the daughter he wanted you to be. Or maybe you were. Maybe you were exactly the person that your dad wanted you to be. He was angry. He was loving. He was strong and powerful. He had no backbone. He didn't care enough to even check in on what you were doing. He gave you total random freedom. You were spoiled, rotten, and never had to do anything on your, on your life and on your own and didn't learn until later on how to handle life. Or he never let you make a decision until you were old enough that you should have already known how. He micromanaged your life. Or he was emotionally distant and unattached. There are so many possibilities. And I venture a guess that in this room, all of those things hit somebody. Because they're all standard relationships that people have with their fathers. And today is Father's Day. And on Father's Day, we have an opportunity to simply honor our father. We also have an opportunity, if we are a father, we have an opportunity to let ourselves off the hook for not being perfect. Really, I'm so serious. Nobody is the perfect father. I'm married to the closest one I've ever found. <laughs> and he's spectacular at it. And you should see him and the 12-year-old right now. Okay? <laughs> Those horns are just out. Nobody is a perfect father. Nobody is a perfect mother either. There is no such creature on the planet. We are who we are. We're people all here create as creations of the divine, as the divine expressing. We're all here learning something. So Emma Meyer created this system for healing, and in healing she says, go back to the morphic field. Go back to the understanding that everything is energy. And we've talked about this, haven't we? That this is, this is energy. If we could get a big enough microscope that we could look at it at its smallest, at its smallest nothingness, <laughs> there would be nothing here but energy. That's it. Same with us, right? We're more space than we are matter. There's nothing here. There's just this massive field of energy that somehow we rise up out of. And somehow together we decide that this is a podium and this is a wall and a chair and that's what a dad looks like. But we know scientifically it's consciousness. This is all happening in the divine mind, in the divine heart. This is consciousness. Miraculous as that is. And in our place in consciousness, we have decided who our fathers are. But really all they are is just the same energy we are in the field of consciousness. That's it. How freaky is that? It's just like breathing air. You can't see it. But it's there all the time. That's who we are and who they are. So can you let your father's history be the story? Can you consider 
how you talk story about your dad? What is it that you've used as your explanation for who your dad is? Close your eyes. Close your eyes. And answer this question. Finish this statement. My father either is or was. My father either is or was. What? This is your story. How would you tell your really trusted friend? What if whatever your answer is, that's the story you have to tell yourself so that you can have the identity that you have? Because your father somehow made you part, at least, who you are. What if the reality is you can be whoever you want to be? But if you have been in charge the whole time of how your consciousness would raise, who you would be, what if you let your dad off the hook and he's not responsible for who you are? What if it's not about blame? Open your eyes for a moment. Blame is this thing that we have that says it's his fault or it's his fault. It's my fault. How many times does somebody say to you when they apologize, I'm so sorry, this was my fault. Can you say to them, let's not have that word between us. Life is not about fault. Life is about choices. In any moment, we can make a choice we wish we had made differently. There's no fault. There's only choices and responses to those choices. So let go of your dad's story and close your eyes again and this time focus on you. Move your focus to your relationship with your own divine self and notice your energy in your body. Go to the belly, to the soft belly, the place where we hold our own emotions and our own knowledge, and allow your belly to connect with your divine imagination. You'll find that at the third eye right between your eyebrows. Allow those two centers to connect. Focus on the middle, on the core of who you are. And using your imagination, allow that energy to travel up your spine, through your mid-back, shoulders, and neck, all the way to your third eye. From that perspective, notice that your relationship with your dad is just a field of energy, a collection of ideas and experiences you've held on to. Let that dissolve. Tune into your relationship as an energy field, as a pattern of information, just a pattern. And just observe it. Don't emotionally engage. Just notice there's a pattern. And I'd like you 
using your sacred imagination as a tool to place these, these affirmations into the energy field around the relationship between you and your dad. And you can place them there by repeating them after me. My relationship with my father is now healing. Put your heart behind these words. My relationship to the archetype of father is now healing. I am now healing the energetic field of my relationship with my father. I align with full responsibility for healing the relationship. I disentangle from blaming others. I disentangle from self-blame. I disentangle from karmic patterns that hold dysfunction in place. I align with resolution of karma. I learn all my lessons in this moment. I align all my ancestors with supporting good family relationships. I am now healing my family relationships, past, present, and future. I am healing all family relationships and filling future generations with unconditional love and acceptance. It's okay. You got the idea, right? <laughs> huh? She said, what? <laughs> now close your eyes. Go back to the relationship and answer the question again. My father is or was. Just notice if anything shifted for you. <coughs> Gently open your eyes. How many of you, when you came back the second time, couldn't find those same words? maybe didn't find words. Because when you dissolve a pattern, my father is or was. Right? That's all. My father is or was. I had one. Today, I am thankful for that. Without that, I wouldn't be here. Better? That work that we just did, that work is done on the energy field. It will shift things for you. You will see this over days and weeks and months because you just put something into the computer. 
at a time when you're open and willing to hear. You just put something into the computer, and over time, it's as important as Fred Burke's story. When he decided he was going to shift things and stayed with it, everything shifted. This will shift for you. Are you willing to allow that? Are you willing to allow hurt and pain and old judgments to go away so you can live your life in peace? Good, then I have some quotes for you. These are quotes, some of them from fathers and some of them about fathers. This is by Jim Gaffigan. There should be a children's song. If you're happy and you know it, keep it to yourself and let your dad sleep. My wife is so, this is Jeff Foxworthy, my wife is so analytical with raising kids, and I'm not. My feeling is if they turn out good, then that means I was a good daddy and put a lot of effort into it. If they turn out bad, it means they took, off t- they took after her side of the family. <laughs> Mark Twain said, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21... I was astonished at how much he'd learned in seven years. (laughs) John Wilmot said, Before I got married, I had six theories about raising children. Now I have six children and no theories. (laughs) Antoine Francois Prevost said, The heart of a father is the masterpiece of nature. 